Were you all that excited when you walked in this morning? Thank you. Good answer. Good answer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with something this morning. And um, I, I've told a few people that it's almost unfair of me to go here this morning. But you know what? I, I just praise the Lord for my week. And it has not been an easy week. It has not been, I, I, would, have, I would have rather not been in some of those places where I was at. But, but here, is, here is what, um, I could start last Sunday afternoon and talk to you about a meeting that I had. I could tell you about, I could tell you about Tuesday at the VA with Richard. I could, I could tell you about um, Tuesday afternoon's meeting. I could tell you about, um, I could tell you about all day Wednesday. I could tell you about um, Friday in the waiting room while Richard was getting a CAT scan. You know, I could tell you all that, but I'm not going to. And then yesterday, yesterday was Baltimore. Yesterday was Baltimore. Here, here is my one thing. Scott asked, and I, I, Scott, I didn't give you this one. Here's my one thing that I, that, that I and, and I think I already knew this. The more people that you talk to in Baltimore, the more opportunities that you're going to have to have a gospel conversation. Isn't that amazing? The more people that you talk to in Baltimore, and you know what? I think, I think Paul is the one I want to talk about. Now, now here's the thing I'm doing. I'm going to tell my story, and, and if you have one, you get to tell yours. And if you don't have one, you'll look at me with that look. And I'll know that you're not going to say a word. But, but I'll tell you about Paul. Paul was a young man who had tattoos down both arms. And those, everything about those tattoos were about the Lord. There was scripture, and there was the cross, and there was, G- I mean, everything, all the way around. Both arms. Both arms. And we got, into this, we got into this conversation about that. And, 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 you know, when I would say, do you know Jesus is Lord and Savior? That's what he would do. He'd hold out those arms. And I grabbed his arms. And I told the Sunday school class this, so they're hearing this a second time this morning. But I grabbed those arms, and I said, Paul, let me ask you one question. Is what, on, is, what is on your arms, is it in your heart? Are you living for what you have decided to put on your arms and to tell the world through your through that artwork? Have you decided in that way? Is that is that what's in your heart? Because he had an addiction. He had an addiction to drugs. And I said, if what is on your arms is in your heart, then you have the ability to overcome that addiction. You have the ability to walk away from that because you know what? Jesus will fill you with something other than that. Jesus will give you everything that you need. That was just one, that was just one of, I think I had ten conversations yesterday. Yeah, I'm, I'm tired of talking once we finish that three hours. I mean, and I don't stop, do I? <laughs> I have to talk to stay awake. <laughs> but anyway, so I give you the opportunity. I give you the opportunity. And here's the thing. Paul was not, 
Paul was not one that prayed to receive Christ. But I did have one yesterday that prayed to receive Christ. And I didn't even tell you that story. Amen. That prayed to receive Christ and asked Jesus to be the Lord of his life. So, God is doing a work. God is doing a work all around the globe. Who else has a story? A gospel conversation. It didn't have to turn out where they, where they prayed to receive Christ, but did you have a gospel conversation with somebody? Praise the Lord. Who else? Go ahead, Richard. I'm going to talk about the doctor. This gentleman, I asked him how he was, and he said, doing pretty well. He says, I want to tell you something about my wife. And his wife has written a book. In this book, he expressed the fact of how faith is. name of the book will be um, Chronic Blessings. It's a journey that a, a lady's been on with a chronic illness. And, but but I, I, I tell you, in a doctor's office, and the doctor was the one preaching the other morning, in a doctor's office, a revival broke out in there. And like I say, the doctor was the one preaching. It was one of those deals where I, at the end of it, I looked at the doctor. His name was Greg. And I said, Greg, can we pray for you as we leave and you continue to impact people today? Because I just felt like, I just felt like he was gonna he was gonna touch a lot of lives today, and oh man, that's a good way to put it. So anybody else? Anybody else? Gospel conversations. You know what? I'd spend all morning talking about gospel conversations, talking about opportunities to share the gospel. And you know what? I even sat in a place yet um, Friday. Friday I was sitting in a room and I said, I wonder how the gospel conversation is going to start in this room. Richard says, he's my pastor. That's what started it. That's what started it. And you ain't never, you've never heard, you could have never imagined the conversation that went on in that, in that waiting room that people would come and people would leave. And, and you know what? If you were uncomfortable about, about Christ, if you were under, uncomfortable about Christianity, it was probably going to be a time that somebody was going to come in and immediately walk back out. Nobody walked out. Everybody came in and engaged and
you're missing something. But B, those trips to Baltimore, great opportunity. And we turns out we always have room for at least one more to go. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. There is. There is. And, and you know what? And, and, and you know what? There. Boy, I found myself this week. I found myself this week um, working with a lot of Catholics. Did a funeral with a Catholic priest sitting right next to me. And um, it's been an interesting week. Had a lot of interesting conversation. I'll say that. And I praise God that he's the one that's doing the work. He's the one that's going to change lives. He's the one that's going to change hearts. And so, turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. You remember last week Darren was here, so we, so we, took, a, we took a moment away from Acts, but we, but we heard Acts right here on the platform, did we not? We heard all about what God's doing in sub-Saharan Africa. And uh, I praise the Lord for our great friend and brother Darren Davis and his wife Shauna. And uh, just all that God is doing through their family, if you only knew. And I can't tell you everything, but if you only knew everything that God is doing. And so, um, in fact, right this moment, I'm going to stop for just a second. I'm going to pray for a journeyman that will go to, um, I've, I've mentioned this journeyman in our home group. I mentioned this journeyman, and, and I, since I'm thinking missions, I, I thought that name just came to my mind. Jamie KD. Jamie KD is the person that I'm going to pray for right this moment who is, who is headed to the Middle East, who is headed to a dangerous place. That's the reason that this person's name is not their name. But Jamie KD is who we're going to know that person as. So take a moment and pray with me as we pray for this person. Dear most precious Heavenly Father, Lord, I lift up Jamie right this moment. I lift up them as they prepared for this journey. Lord, I, I lift up the, um, all the things that have to go on as, um, as Jamie prepares and gets ready to um, go to a difficult place, to go on a different platform to share you in a difficult place. And so, Lord, I pray that you would prepare Jamie. I pray that you would um, give them all that they need to, to be prepared and to, and to make the journey. And to, um, Father, as, as you use this one, Lord, may we be faithful to pray fervently as, as the requests come in, as we learn more about the work, Lord, that we would pray for each and every day that this journeyman is on the ground doing your work in that place. Lord, we love, honor, and praise you in your most precious name. Amen. Acts chapter 9. So let, let me bring you up to speed. We met Saul at Stephen Stoning. He was the one that was standing there watching over the clothing and affirming the stoning of Stephen. 
And then he was on the road to Damascus, and while on the road to Damascus, he met Jesus. He met Jesus so, so much so he was blinded for three days. He was blinded for three days, and then he received his sight. You remember there, Ananias came, laid his hands on him. That which like, was like scales fell, up, fell from his eyes, and he was able to see again. And he, he was told by the Lord that he would, um, he would suffer many things for the Lord. He would be the apostle to the Gentiles. And so he began his journey right away. Immediately, he began to preach. Immediately, he began to preach. And, but um, there were people that wanted to kill him. And there were people that were distrustful of him, that did not want to be anywhere close to him because of who he had been, because of who he had been. And then a friend, a friend in the ministry, a man named Barnabas, steps up and speaks on his behalf, speaks on his behalf. And, and because of that, he is received among the disciples. But then, but then they send him off to a place called Tarsus, send him back to his home, actually. And he's going to be there for a little while. And, and in, in the midst of that, the church is at peace. The church experiences a time of peace. And while the peace was occurring, you know, somebody brought up, I had a, I've had some very interesting conversations about that peace thing, P-E-A-C-E, not that P-I-E-C-E, but that peace thing. There are some, there are some that, that kind of push back on that conversation we had, uh, had about, um, about peace for the wrong reason, about peace because the church is doing nothing. There, there, the, the comment that was made was, there's no such thing as peace when a church is not doing what a church is supposed to be doing. That's called something else. Whether it's complacency, whether it's comfortable, whatever you want to call it, that's something else other than peace. Because, because peace is all about peace with God, the peace of God. And the, only way, and the only way a church can have that is to be doing what that church is called to do. So I, I, you know what? I, boy, that was a good conversation. I, I enjoyed that conversation. So as we journey on, we're back to talk, about, talk a little more about Peter. I had a lady, uh, I was carrying her cart down the steps, and we had had this conversation, and I knew she had a Catholic background yesterday. And she said to me, do you know Peter was the first priest? I said, well, here's what I know about Peter. Peter walked with Jesus. So much so, Peter walked on water with Jesus. Until he took his eyes off of Jesus and then he began to sink. And he said, save me. And the Lord saved him. And I said, and you know, Peter had a, Peter had, Peter had a difficult journey with the Lord. Even denied him three times. I said, but you know, when it came time, Peter got it. That's what I know about Peter. That's what I'll tell you about Peter. I didn't want to get into the part about the, the little rock and the big rock and the fact they got the rocks wrong and all that. I didn't want to get into that. So, but we're back to Peter. And it's important to, as, you, as we see this, 
It's easy to get hung up in what, in what exactly Peter did, but we're going to try to work through all of that. So let's, let's read. Starting in verse 32, chapter 9. It says, Now it came to pass, as Peter went through all parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt at Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. So all those who dwelt at Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. And since Lydda was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room. And all the widows stood by him, weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon a tanner. May God bless the reading of his word. And on the surface, we could, we could see two miracles. On the surface, we could see two miracles. Why were miracles done? Miracles were done to show the power of God. Miracles weren't done to show the power of man. They were shown, used to show the power of God. That's what miracles are all about. Miracles are something that only God can do. Man can do magic. God does miracles. Okay? And, and in this case, two miraculous healings occurred. Do you believe God heals? I could bring Chelsea up here this morning and let her share a testimony with you of what God did in her grandmother's life. We prayed for her grandmother. And God did an amazing work. An amazing work. Not only an amazing work, but a miraculous work. Because everything came back normal. Everything came back better than, better than was expected. Did I do a good job with that, Chelsea? Thank you. Okay. God's in the business of doing this. And this is God's work. God can save people's lives. And, and, and here's, the, here's the other side of it. And, and I'm not sure where I had this conversation this week. But it's one thing to have faith that God can heal. It's another thing to have faith if God chooses not to. You understand the difference, right? How much faith do we have? How much faith do we have in God that, that, you know what, He's got this. He's got us. He's got us. And in this case, He meets this. Peter, Peter is going throughout the country. Now, that's the part that you would probably just gloss over and not really spend a lot of time in. But, but, but what's Peter doing? Some would say, 
Why is it Peter back in Jerusalem at the church? Well, see, the church is the church is spreading. The church of Jesus Christ is spreading. And at that point, and at, and at this point, there's not Catholic, there's not Methodist, there's not Baptist. There's not assembly of God. There's not all of these things. It's the church of Jesus Christ. The church of Jesus Christ is spreading. And, and we, we saw where Peter had to go to Samaria. Peter and John went to Samaria, you remember? You remember they went there and they laid hands on them and the Holy Spirit came. And Simon the sorcerer, Simon the sorcerer saw that and he, he had been a magician and he wanted that power. You remember all that? Okay. And, and so... And so what we're seeing Peter doing is Peter is affirming, is affirming that because the church is changing, not only is the church for the Jew, but the church is also for the Gentile. The church is for the Jew and the Gentile, and Peter is going around affirming those things. So let's, let's talk about something that Darren talked about last week. Darren laid out, I think it was six, if you hear me only say five, Go with me. But anyway, Darren laid out this, this list of things in the work, in the work that they're involved in, and in the work that we could be involved in, in the work that we could, we could use this, we could use this to do everything we do. First was entry. You remember that? Was entry into a place. How do you get into that place? I told, we were at, uh, Scott and Sheila's at home group the other night, and I was talking about Misswood Forest. And, and, and though there are others in Misswood Forest, I said, you know, Scott and Sheila, you all are the persons of peace in this neighborhood. If a work was to start in this neighborhood uh, and, and we had something to do with it, it would be right there. That would be a place where the work could start. So entry, how do you get in? And then once you get there, evangelizing. How are you going to evangelize? What's going to be What's going to be your gospel story? What's going to be your gospel presentation? And then, once you have people that receive Christ and ask Jesus to be the Lord of their life, you've got to disciple them, right? You've got to teach them. One thing that got said to the gentleman that, uh, I think his name was Lewis, but one thing that got said to Lewis yesterday as he prayed to receive Christ was, Lewis, it begins now. The, the discipleship journey begins now. You, 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 you cannot, you've got to understand, you, we're, we're, we're going to walk with you and we're going to help you. And by the way, do you have a Bible? <laughs> do you have a Bible? And, and then from, from a discipleship comes planting healthy churches. Planting healthy churches. And once pl- healthy churches are planted, and oh, by the way, you know what healthy churches plant? Healthy churches plant healthy churches plant healthy churches. And then to train leaders. And then an exit strategy with partnership. I got them all right. And, 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 and here's, the, here's the piece of that. Darren said it was vitally important that those healthy churches teach the right thing. I think that's part of being a healthy church. And so theological education, theological teaching is important. And so... As we see Peter going around the country, as we see Peter going from place to place, that's what Peter's going to do. Peter's going to affirm that the churches are doing what they're supposed to be doing, teaching what they're supposed to be teaching, that 
you know, it's not one of these things of just plant it and leave it. Plant it and leave it. No, plant it and walk alongside of it and encourage and, and strengthen and edify and all those things. So you remember when the church was at peace, it was being edified and all those things. That's what all this is about. So as we think about what Peter's doing, that's what he's out there doing. You, you know, and, and who do we know? Who do we know like that? Who do we know like that? Well, let's throw out a few examples. Pastor Chris. Now, we think that he needs help. We think that he needs young men to be raised up, trained up, so that they can do it. Here's the problem that's been occurring. He finds someone. He sits down with them and spends time with them. And then he sends them to the work. Or maybe they rise up among the work. And he's trying to, he's trying to disciple them. He's trying to mentor them. And all of a sudden, the enemy shows up. The enemy shows up and says, tells that young person, I don't need him. I got this. And chaos and mayhem occurs in those places. And we've actually seen it, haven't we? We've seen churches. We've seen churches start and stop. We've seen churches run out of villages. We've seen all of those things. And, and, and so, we, and so there's, there's Pastor Chris. Um, and I'll just say six different church, different churches that he's got to that he's got to be on the go all the time. He'll be, at, he'll be at these two churches this Sunday. He'll be at these two churches next Sunday. He'll be at these two churches next Sunday. And then a month later, he'll be back where he started. And the cycle starts again. And it just keeps on going like that. And, and there are others. There are others. You, you know, this is the closest I've come recently. And you're going to say, well, that, what, what kind of example is that? I just sent 46 letters to 46 churches. Okay? Now, if you knew what was in that letter, you say, oh, that doesn't pertain, that doesn't apply, but that's about the closest I've come. Because you know what? Here's the, here's the part about today that's different than that day. In Southern Baptist life, we're all autonomous, or at least we're supposed to be. In other words, we're supposed to be able to make our own decisions. That's what autonomy means. Then, that's just Baptist. Then you got Methodist, and you got Assembly of God, and you got all these others. And, and you know what? I can, I can assure you that there are very few of those named that want to hear what I've got to say about anything that's going on in their local body. You see, you see what I'm saying? But in, in this day, in this time, in this way, Peter is all about making sure that the right things are being taught, making sure, making sure that the church is doing the work that the church has been called to do. And along the way, he performs miracles. And the first one was to a person that had been bedridden, paralyzed for eight years. Paralyzed for eight years. Folks, do we have the faith to believe that God could heal a person that is paralyzed, that he could heal them? Do we have that kind of faith? Do we pray that way? Do we pray that way? Do we think that way? Peter knew what was going to happen. Peter knew 
what God had done and what God could do. And, and because and because of that, and you know what? He's got this Greek name. They say, he was, they say Annius was a Jew, has this Greek name, so, we're, so we're, um, we're talking about probably a Hellenistic Jew. We're, pro- we're talking about a, a Jew raised up in a Greek culture. Okay, and, we're, and so as we, as we see that, what does it matter? What, you, you know, we, we can, a person can tell us their background. For those of you that understand this, I met an Aryan Jew yesterday. Okay? But I'll tell you this. You, you, know, what, you, you know what an Aryan Jew needs? Jesus. You know what a wayward anybody needs? Jesus. The answer is Christ. And this man, and this man in the name of Jesus was healed. And because he was healed and people knew him, people knew his infirmity, guess what happened? People came to Christ. People got saved, Lynn and Sharon. We're talking, I don't know how big those villages were. I don't know how many people were there. But look at what it says. So all, all. What does all mean? All means all, and that's all that all means. Okay? So all who dwelt in Lydon and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Revival broke out in Lydda and Sharon. If you go to your map, if your Bible has one, and if it doesn't, you can find it. If you go to your map, you can find Lydda on the map. You can find it on the map. They're on the way to Java. <laughs> Sometimes it's not, it's not about the things that happen on the journey. It's about where you end up in the journey to be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there for what God wants you to do. Did you hear all that? I can't repeat it. But, it, but it's, it's, about, it's about being positioned where God wants us to be so that God can do what only He can do with us. So you, so, so you sit there and you say, God, what will you do? God, what will you do in my life today? God, where will you use me in this day? Because I want to be exactly where you want me to be. And I want to be everything that you've called me to be. And then he goes to Joppa, closer to the coast. As he's, as he's traveling along. And it's important to be, it's important, and, and the reason you have to understand all of Scripture is because you'll understand that it's important for them to know where he is, for them to know that he's in Joppa, because he, he's nowhere close to done. Peter is nowhere close to done. Peter has always got somebody to see. He's always got somewhere to go. But on the way, he stops in Joppa. He stops in Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. And, and they're not sure whether she was Jewish or not. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. That's the culture. That's the culture of what they do with folks after they have died. I've been to many, many homes where the body, where the body was laid. And it stays there for a good long time, doesn't it? For those of you that have been with me. 
Then Peter arose and went with them. Well, and since Lydda was near Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay coming to them. So he was in Lydda, and they brought him to Joppa. Okay, so that's how he got there. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out. He put them all out. And, you th- and, and now think about this. Remember, remember, a miracle is something that only God can do. God used Peter. It was through Peter that these miracles were happening. Okay? But it was important. And, and I think that it was important for Peter to send the people out so that the people would not get the wrong idea so that the people would not immediately put all of their faith in Peter. You see what I'm saying? Because we can easily do that. We can easily be enamored by what someone does. That's how Simon, that's how Simon um, deceived people. Simon the sorcerer deceived people that way. And so he, 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 he sent them out, and he knelt down and he prayed. And he knelt down and he prayed. Do you know how many times, so I was having a conversation with a gentleman yesterday, an older, older gentleman, and he was telling me his story, and he said, the only thing I want to pray about is being thankful. I want to be thankful for everything God has done and all this kind of stuff, and we're just having that conversation, and we were, we were done, and I was about to take him to go downstairs to go get his stuff, and, and, and all of a sudden, he looked at me, he said, he said, you know, my daughter had an accident had a car accident recently. She was spared in the accident, and they said that she was going to owe $75,000 in damages to the other people. And, and we just went to court about it, and the judge threw it out, and she owes nobody anything. And we were walking out, and I told him, I said, hold on, <laughs> hold the fort. Let's come back here, and let's pray. And we knelt down, and we prayed right there. You don't know how many times I've done that this week with people. Just in the moment, on the spot, when they say something like that, we just pray. We just pray. So I'm going to do that right this moment. Lord, I thank you for what you did to Chelsea's grandmother. Lord, I thank you for touching her life, and I thank you for sparing her all of the things that you spared her. No chemo, no cancer in her lymph nodes. None of those things. Lord, we give you praise for answering our prayers in her grandmother's life. All this your most precious name. Amen. So here we are. We're with this, we're with this person. Peter's with this person that has died. And turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. I can assure you, I can assure you that we, when we go to a viewing, when we go to a funeral, all of those kind of things, I can absolutely assure you that no one is expecting that person in that casket to wake up. I'm just, I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, miracles are only things performed by God. Miracles are only those things performed by God. I have seen people that were laying on the floor dead. And when we were done, 
they were alive again. I've seen that. I've been a part of that. Okay? And it didn't happen every time in no way, shape, or form. In fact, it probably happened less than it, it didn't happen more than it did happen. Let's try to get that right. In this case, because of a miracle that God wanted to perform in Tabitha's life, she was raised from the dead. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up, and when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive. Now, where do we do most presenting? <laughs> I present to you, Mr. and Mrs. Well, Peter one-upped us. Peter one-upped us. I present to you, Tabitha, once dead, now alive. Ha. Called the saints and widows, he presented her alive, and it became known throughout all Joppa. All right, now we've already all Lydda and all Sharon. Okay, we're watching the gospel spread. We're watching people coming to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now it's all Joppa. You think revival's happening in these places? You think revival's breaking out? And many believed on the Lord. And many believed on the Lord. And you know what? Even the last verse means something. Every verse in God's Word means something. So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon, a tanner. You know what that says? A tanner's job was an unclean job. Do you understand that? A tanner dealt with dead animals. And anybody that de dealt with any dead thing was unclean in the sight of the Jews. And so it even meant something that Peter was willing to stay in this man's house. To stay in this man's house. And a lot of times, and a lot of times, I'm not going to say it here because it, the word doesn't say it here. But I think I can say this, that a lot of times where you stayed, you got involved with what was going on in the house. Okay? And, and, and even the fact that he was staying in a place um, with a person who was doing an unclean job, it said something to people. It said something to people. The people, the people that you, that you talk to, the people that you're unwilling to talk to, the things that you, the, 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 your mannerisms, the way you act, all of those kinds of things in every situation, believe me when I say, they speak loudly. They speak loudly. And, 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 so, and, and, and so in this situation, God, God had a plan even in, when did our work in Africa take a step in a greater more relationship building and greater direction. When did our work change? When we started staying in homes with the families. Yes. When we started staying in homes with the families, living the way they live, enduring whatever they endure in a matter of speaking, when, 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 when we dealt with the lack of water, when we deal with the lack of electricity, when we deal with having to cook over a fire or whatever, when we deal with those things, guess what? We put ourselves, we put ourselves right there. 
And, and you know what? We're able to be a more bold and greater witness. Our opportunities for witnessing have, have increased because of all of that. And, and so God has a plan. And if we're willing to look and listen and pray and, and ask God and ask God for, for all of those things and ask God, how will you use me today, God? How, who will I speak to today? Who, how will the conversation start today? And when the conversation starts, am I ready to have it? Am I ready to have it? You all knew, know that I did a funeral of a young man who took his life this past week. You, know that I, you may know that I did that. And I had to answer the question. I had to answer the que- a very difficult question. Was this young man saved? Knowing that no man was given that task by God. No man was given that task by God. No man was given the task of saying whether or not another person is saved. I gave the best answer I could. I gave the best answer I knew to give. But I tell you this. Is it important that your family know who you are, who you say you are? That you are who you say you are? That you, that you, live, that you live what you say? That, you, that your walk and your talk line up? That all of those things, is that important? Of course it's important. I wish no one had doubt. I wish no one had doubt. And I praise God that as Peter's going around and making sure that making sure the churches are doing and teaching what the churches ought to be teaching, and he's going about it, and as he's going, he's working in every place that he goes. And you know what? You and I can be doing the same things. We can be doing the same exact things, impacting this world for Christ, teaching others, teaching others about the love of Jesus, teaching others about the gospel of Christ. Because the answer to the question is Jesus. The answer to what these people need is Jesus. Let's pray. Dear most precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you, we praise you, we thank you for Peter's testimony. We thank you for how you're using Peter in this way. Thank you for the miracles that occurred in these two people's lives. One healed from paralyzation, one healed from death. But Lord, we we know that Tabitha died again. Just as we know Annius died, just as we know Peter died. But Jesus, you died, you rose from the grave, and you're alive today. And Lord, I thank you that one day, one day, we will stand in your presence. One day, sin will be put away forevermore. We won't have to deal with its presence. Lord, and we just, we just thank you and praise you for that. We thank you that through Jesus, we have a path back to God. Through Jesus, we can enter in to your magnificence. We can enter into your glory. We can enter into all that you have in store for us. 
But Lord, until you come back, may we be about your business. May we be intentional about the conversations that we have with one another. Lord, we love you. We honor you. We praise you. I lift up everybody in this room right this moment. And I pray, Father, if you're working in someone's heart, that, Lord, I pray that they won't let that sit there. They'll do something with it. And, Lord, we give you the praise, honor, and glory. You must precious and holy name. Amen. Let's stand together.